Thank you, Praise Band and uh, Diane, for reading Scripture, uh, for starting us off this, this morning. Uh, I'm calling it Celebration Sunday. Uh, celebration because we're saying goodbye to 2023, and celebration because we're saying hello to 2024. And uh, there's lots of reason to be grateful. Uh, it's interesting in this text... It says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. And this morning, that's, that's what we want to do. I want to start by giving a little bit of context uh, so that we understand where, where this, this passage of Scripture fits. Although, if you, if you open your Bibles and you look at 1 Chronicles 16, you'll catch it fairly quickly. Uh, this psalm uh, of thanksgiving commemorated the installation of the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. And, and as such, it's actually at the theological center of the chronicler's retelling of Israel's history. Uh, the installation of the ark kind of marks the return of Israel to God under David's leadership and a renewal of the covenant loyalty of Israel uh, to God of their ancestors. The ark itself symbolizes the covenant agreement established by God with Israel at Mount Sinai. Uh, the Mount Sinai uh, Treaty was mediated by the prophet Moses, and the written record of that agreement, that binding pact, was archived for posterity in the sacred ark. So the chronicler's song of praise celebrates God as both a covenant maker and a covenant keeper. He's never the one that fails on his part of the bargain. You heard me right. God has never failed on his part of the bargain. It's always the rest of us that don't hold up our end. So, so this song of praise is kind of the linchpin of David's theological, or his theology of hope for post-exilic Judah, because Judah had been in exile, and now what? And further, the tabernacle, or before that, the temple shrine, described in Exodus 25 to 40, was designed to symbolize the active presence of God among his people. In fact, Exodus 25 verse 8 specifically states the basic purpose of this portable worship center as one of giving God an address in the Israelite community. Notice, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Now, we, we recognize today, and Jesus said it so well to the Samaritan woman, there's a time when not here, not there, but in spirit and in truth, you will worship me. So, so we recognize that even when we leave the doors of this facility, God isn't just here. He's out there as well. God's presence was associated with the tabernacle and symbolized in the cloud of glory that resided there. And it was part, probably a precursor to this developing theology of Emmanuel, God with us, that we see in the Old Testament. And that progressive revelation of an incarnational divine presence was aimed at restoring intimate fellowship that God enjoyed with humanity before the fall. And I would say the Emmanuel theology of the Old Testament was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But today... God has stepped it up a notch. Not today. Actually, in the tabernacle or in the temple. Then Jesus, God in the flesh, incarnate, tabernacled amongst us. And then when he left, he sent us his Holy Spirit. You see the progression? 
you see how amazing that is, how fantastic that is? That gives Emmanuel a whole new meaning. As a sign, the Ark of Covenant serves both as a reminder of Israel's exodus experience and a testimony of God's holy presence among his people. And as a symbol, the Ark of the Covenant embodies that theological truth of God's residency in the midst of Israel. So for King David, in this song, the processional celebrated the entry of the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And it's a grand object lesson that dramatically portrays the vital relationship between the recognition of God's presence and God's rule. See, they belong together. He, Jesus came to serve, but he's still the king. He's still the king. So our text, looking at these few verses, I've broken it into three pieces. What is our mission? Our mission is to make him known. This word, make him known here, is imperative, it's declarative, it's causative. It's actually not just a a suggestion, in case you feel like it. It's actually a command. It's a mandato. Other expressions that we could use to express this idea would be to make notorious, to proclaim, to talk about, to sing, make memory of, declare, acclaim, confess, make familiar, teach, etc., etc. In this same song of David, we have many other verbs. Praise, invoke, sing, speak, glorify, remember, pay tribute. They're all meant to Describe how you and I should respond before a God that is both marvelous and merciful. And, and I hope you, uh, even with Diane's opening, have understood that in the midst of whatever it is that you and I are going through, God is still good, he is still merciful. 1 Chronicles 16.31 says, Let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. It is quite clear that we cannot be the still im Land. For those of you that don't speak German, still im Land means the quiet in the land. Uh, a, a really short history lesson. The early Anabaptists from the 16th century on, were, uh, their Christology was amazing and they were also very missional. But out of pure need to survive, that first generation, they almost all died before their 30th birthday, the Swiss Anabaptists. They became they began to protect. And they became the still im Land, which is never God's intention for us to be the still im Land, the quiet in the land. That doesn't mean that we brag or we are arrogant, but it does mean that we always give an answer for the hope that lies within us. We always share that because we have it. This is part of God's redemptive purposes. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. He hasn't chosen the rocks to cry out. He's chosen you and me. So to say nothing becomes ungratefulness, egotistical, and downright disobedient. Psalm 96, verse 1 to 5, which we find in 1 Chronicles 16, 23 to 26. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So he starts off telling us what we should do, and then he tells us why. Because he's God. Because he's marvelous. Because he deserves it. Psalm 145 
verses 1 to 6. I will exalt you, my God and King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. When it talks about one generation commends your works to another, Diane and I were talking about this this morning, about, about each successive generation and how, in some cases, faith is lost. And, and it's concerning. Uh, and so then the lens comes right back to us. What are we doing? What have we done to pass on a living faith to our next generation? What have we done? How are we doing that? And as I already said, 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer for, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. There's an assumption that Peter's making here. Number one, he's assuming that you have hope. <laughs> if you don't, there's, this is not going to work. So he's assuming you have hope. Then he's assuming that because people can see it, so it's obvious to people, then he's also assuming that people are going to ask. So this isn't shark evangelism. This isn't browbeating somebody. This is attractional evangelism, that they're going to ask. And then he's hoping, <laughs> he's hoping that you're going to have an answer for the hope that lies within you. That's how we're supposed to do it. So what's our target? Our target is the nation's. The Hebrew word am, pretty, uh, pretty big word. Uh, Dan Block, who was my Hebrew prof in seminary, did his uh, PhD dissertation on this word. Uh, it, it means people or nation. But it, it, in many occasions it refers to God's people, but it can also refer to every single human being without exception. And, and other words that we could use to, to for this word nations here, is people, race, lineage, tongue, tribe, humankind. In other, in other words, everybody. So I wonder if racist terms or attitudes could have a place in the hearts and minds of those who wish to share the good news with all who don't know Christ. I, I, I don't think that we can do that. We'll need to be careful not only to root out degrading terms, but also negative attitudes toward all those who share a different heritage, language, culture, or skin color than our own. You can't, you can't be a, a good ambassador for Christ, for the king, um, if you're very selective about who you share, what the king wants to share. 2 Kings 19 says, It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand. Why? So that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Deliver us for that reason. It's a, it's a missional prayer. Psalm 67, May God be gracious to you and bless you and make his face shine on you so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Again, Isaiah 12, verse 4. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Malachi 1:11. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. 
I hope, I, I could have read one of them and that would have been enough, but I, I want you to catch that this theme is actually fairly prominent in Scripture. Uh, when stuff gets repeated over and over and over, that means it's important. Take note. This is, this is important. So important that Jesus says in Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So I think it's a fair conclusion that God wants everyone to hear. Everyone to hear the good news of what he has done. So that leads us to our, my third point and third and final point in case you're counting. What's our message? Well, as it says in our text, what he has done. Our message needs to focus on what God has done. His deeds, which refers to his works, his actions, his interventions. And, and God is not only a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. He keeps his word. Our message begins to have a very personal tone as we share what God has done in our lives. We can't afford to get caught up in abstract theology or in declarations of faith or in religious arguments. We need to share the magnificent deeds of God and it's best to start with, what has God done in your life? What has God done in my life? 1 Kings 8, 41 to 43 says, as for the foreigner, this is Solomon's dedicatory prayer as he prays a prayer of dedication over this temple that he's built. As the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When they come and pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that, there's the reason, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel, and may, may make known that this house I have built bears your name. So Solomon, as he prays, he says, answer that foreigner's prayer so that he knows that, that you are God. And so they'll be drawn to you. God has blessed us, and we need to be grateful and thankful for his blessings. We should not view ourselves as being special in the sense of having any merit of our own, but rather... As 1 Peter 2.9 says, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that we may pre proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's that purpose. You have a purpose for living. Whether 2023 was hard or a breeze or you'd like to do it over again or you would rather not, um, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. God wants us, as we face the challenges of our times, to take more seriously the challenge of making disciples of all nations, like the Great Commission, Matthew 28. So the question is, what are we going to do with the time we have left? What are we going to do with the time we have left? I was sitting there kind of panicked because a thought occurred to me that Diane's phone could ring because a nurse said my dad wouldn't make it to the new year. I thought, oh shoot, they're gonna phone me from the hospital right before I get up to preach and say he's gone. Uh, so I'm, I'm on edge. But what do you do with the time you got left? 
You don't know how much time you have left. You really don't know. Are we going to share the wonderful deeds of our Lord with those who don't know him yet? What will be the central focus of our life? Our church. What's the central focus? What's, what's important to you and what's important to us? What are we about? What will they say about us when we're gone? I trust that they will be able to say that our passions, our desire, our focus was to share God's work with others. I trust that God will be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Tomorrow starts a new year. I know, really, in a sense, one day is like another. They flow together. I realize that. But sometimes, in Spanish, we say, boroni cuenta nueva, meaning erase and start all over. Uh, it's, it's our, it, in some ways, it's a hard reset, right? It's, it's, and I'm not telling you to make all kinds of New Year's resolutions because uh, all of that exercise equipment gets returned three weeks into January or it becomes the newest place to hang laundry. Uh, I'm not telling you any of that, but, but it is a, it is a, it's a new year. And I, can't, I, I personally can't think of a better way to, to dismiss the old year and celebrate a new year than to have communion, than to share communion together. And I want to uh, share with you some thoughts that I read from Pete Gregg, a Presbyterian minister who uh, has a lot to say on Lectio 365. And this is what he says, a favorite thing about being a pastor is watching people take communion. It's the unspoken privilege of quietly studying the faces of people you love, people whose stories you know, as they come forward to take the bread and the wine. Every single one is a walking, talking prayer. Some are smiling, some are deeply serious, some are always weeping. Well, you're a weeping pastor, maybe. <laughs> the rest of you are doing okay. A few are only there by the skin of their teeth. It's kind of a miracle they've even made it. I love the mixture of solemnity and mess. I love the way that absolutely everyone gets to participate, including the kids. I love the deep sense of belonging to something so much bigger. And as Levi Eklov writes, maybe some morning, instead of solemnly passing these trays, we should dance for joy. Maybe we should sing every born-again song we know. Maybe we should tell our homecoming stories and laugh like people who no longer fear death. Maybe we should ask if anyone wants seconds and hold our little cups high to toast lost sisters found and dead brothers alive. I'd have to run into the basement if we are going to do that because there's not enough juice here. Yeah. So this morning... Uh, praise band, you can come up. I think you're going to do some singing or music during communion. Uh, we're, we're, I'm going I'm to spread out the elements. We're going to invite you to come up to the front. And you can come up as families, as friends, uh, however you like, or by yourself. Uh, I'm going to pray. And uh, you could also take, take a moment and pray. If, if you take the elements and you want to spend some time here, then move to the side so others can come up as well. Uh, and, uh, and then you don't have to be a member of this church. Oh, thank you. Yeah, if you put two trays separate on each of uh, the juice, on, yeah. Um, 
You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be baptized. If you uh, count Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to take communion. Uh, you are most welcome to do that. So Luke 22, 19 to 20 says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as we participate together, we are celebrating what Christ did for us some 2,000 years ago. And, and we're celebrating that this participation ties us to Christ and it ties us to each other's as members of the family of faith. And so let me pray and then uh, please, please come. Lord, we are so grateful this morning because you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us. You've promised to walk with us and you made that ultimate sacrifice some 2,000 years ago of bearing our sin to the cross. And as we take this bread and this cup, Lord, we ask that you would uh, refresh in our hearts and minds a love and a passion for you and for your purposes. We pray that this coming year, as we move forward, you will give us wisdom by your Holy Spirit, that you will guide us. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come. By the way, the bread is gluten-free and, and dairy-free.
All right. It's your opportunity to share. Uh, please keep it somewhat brief so that everybody else gets a chance. So no dissertations. Um, but ushers, if you have mics, uh, we'll, we'll get you to just raise your hand if you want to share something and Usher will come with a mic. I was uh, handed some papers. Actually, last night, my wife wrote this out, and this is what she says. I know I couldn't say this without crying. That's why I'm getting Quentin to read this. That, that's me. Uh, this year has been difficult. My son, who has addictions, has been taken away from us for a time. We pray for him every day. This church has prayed for him. We have been so blessed by this church and our friends here. Our journey with Zach is not over, and there will be more difficult days ahead. We know this church and our friends here will be here for us. We want to thank you for being so faithful and walking beside us. This church is special and means a lot to us. She's thankful for crayons and scissors so that she can create things. Do I need to stand? No, but you can. Okay, thanks, Ernie. But then we get um, to see you. Yeah, I'm thankful for this church family as well and for... Um, Ernie and Diane as our pastors, and looking forward to Trevor and Jamie joining us, of course. Um, as some of you know, I'm taking on a new position with the conference with EMC starting tomorrow. And, um, and so my heart is excited and filled with inadequacies of what I'm about to take. So I uh, appreciate this church praying for me in this new role of Director of Global Outreach for EMC. On that note, you'll forgive me, but I'll share a joke that Gord Penner and I shared when Gerald said yes. Gord texted me and said, so Jonah finally said yes. Uh, and, and both of us knew that he was the man for the job. So we were so elated when he finally listened to the Holy Spirit and said yes. So we're excited, Gerald. We're excited to the moon. Yeah, Richard? <coughs> I sort of thought at 76, the Lord would kind of be done with me and I'd be kind of a finished product and it kind of glide off into the sunset someday. But the Lord has really been working on us this year. And uh, we started off the year on a, quite a high note. We uh, spent three months in Coaldale, uh, ending nine months there altogether. And they gave us a really royal send-off when we left and said they liked us and all that. <coughs> and then uh, the week after we got home, then uh, the doctor told me that I had a big aneurysm in my brain. And uh, so that was quite a shock from, uh, from what we had uh, been experiencing. And uh, of course that has uh, been changed now to a, that it's a brain tumor, but still uh, in the process, you know, I 
It uh, has done quite a, a thing on me and in, in me, you know. Uh, I kind of thought as a, a lifelong pastor that I would be kind of under like God's protective shield and I, everything would kind of go nice and he would reward me for all my faithful service and all that. <laughs> and and uh, But through this experience then God has shown me that well, it brought me face to face with the mortality, you know, and do I believe all those things I have preached at many, many funerals and so forth about, uh, you know, trusting in God and that he has a home prepared for us and all these things. And so I've had to come face to face with that. And so I've kind of changed now from where I used to kind of see that as by and by, you know, but it never really will actually, death will never really come to me. But now I've had to come kind of face to face with it. And so, in some ways that's scary, and yet it's also a real blessing to confirm in my heart, yes, I do believe in God. I do trust him for whatever comes. And, uh, and so I want to thank this church for your prayers and support. It has been, has been really good during this time. Thank you, Richard. And we're happy to have you folks back. I'd, I'd like to read in response to that something I read in C.S. Lewis's uh, A Grief Observed. I sent it to my family a, a while ago. Bridge players tell me that there must be some money on the game or else people don't take it seriously. Apparently it's like that. Your bid for God or no God, for a good God or the cosmic sadist, for eternal life or non-entity will not be serious if nothing much is staked on it. And you will never discover how serious it was until the stakes are raised horribly high. Until you find that you are playing not for counters or for sixpence, but for every penny you have in the world. Yeah, sometimes the stakes are high, right? Um, but we have an anchor. Let me read these two and then we'll get a few more. Someone texted and said, I'm thankful for my job. I got a job this year and it's been a tough year with jobs, but I finally got one I love. Perfect. And then um, Izzy says she is thankful for God. Thank you, Izzy. We're thankful for you. Anyone else want to share? Yeah, Myra. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm thankful that the Lord has been with me throughout the whole year and um, for being with me through all my whatever. And I, his comfort and, and his blessings and protection. Thank you. Thank you. And then Myra had her hand up here, and then we'll come to you. Hi there. We are also thankful for the church and for all their prayers. We've had an up and down year with Tiana with her drug use, etc. We visited her in the psych ward and it's it's not something you want to do and yet she was home for christmas and she's doing so well she's very very happy um we lost my mom june 7th um yesterday when tara phoned to say that she is engaged um mom was the first person i was gonna call yeah. i couldn't um so yeah, it's, it's been a mixed bag of whatever, but there's been a lot of good 
Gia was home for Christmas, was doing amazing. She was so happy, and that was good. And we know that can change any day, any week, any, any time. And that's hard. The unknowns are hard. And now we have a wedding to plan. I am not a planner. <laughs> so, and as for you, Ernie, um, we have always thought the world of your parents. And should your pet dad pass, I will miss calling him on March 27th. <laughs> Gerald, go ahead. When I found out what this Sunday was going to all involve, I was like, no, I don't want to sp spend yet another Sunday being a sprinkler. Um, but here we are, and it's already begun. Um, it's been a very difficult year for me, and the heart is not over yet, as Diane would say. Um, I, early, either early in the year or late, very late last year, I'm not quite sure, um, my aunt was diagnosed with ALS, um, and that has progressed throughout the year. She's gradually been losing her mobility, and that is hard, and the thought about how it's going to go before the end is also very difficult. Um, and she is such a woman of faith, and she is so strong. Um, and even so, it's just, it's just awful. Um, uh, my grandfather was diagnosed um, with fairly aggressive leukemia early in the year, and he died three months later. Um, we're definitely feeling that in this season. Um, and then also just dealing with a few other family illnesses and stressors meant that this was a year of pretty bad burnout um, and mental health issues for me. Um, continue to deal with that, um, with some also with some addiction issues, unfortunately. And, um, uh, yeah, and so I've been thankful that I'm still here, that I'm still um, <laughs> hanging on to believe in God, even though sometimes it feels like it's by my fingernails. It's funny how, and it wasn't even all due, that, due to that stuff, sometimes because of the nature of um, my personality and the sort of cynical job that I do, I'm a reporter, um, is that sometimes it's just, you look at it and it's like, yeah, but Christians aren't really all that different, are we? How, how come so much destruction is done in the name of God? And that makes it awfully demotivating when you add it on top of things. So I'm just thankful to um, just still be here. Yeah. Thank you, Jarlan. Thank you for my mom and dad. Thank you. Um, I just sat down here and um, I started ruminating on things that um, have happened this year. I'm so much grateful to God for life, for my family. Um, yesterday evening, I received a message from Bob and... Um, in, in my country, Nigeria, on Christmas Day, over 160 persons were murdered in, in some kind of village, including women and children. And Bob was like, wow, he thought about me 
been a soldier and truly, truly, I'm thankful for my life. God, God made me to be alive. I wouldn't know where I would be if I was in that country. I, I want to say God has been wonderful and has been great. Um, 15th of December this year, we clocked one year in Canada. And um, it has been fun for us as a family. I've been sleeping with my two eyes closed. I had I dream a lot, good dreams for that matter, and um, and also I'm thankful thankful to Pastor Annie and Deborah, yeah, the wonderful family, Bob's and Deborah, Carl, and uh, Wilma. They've been wonderful to us too, and the whole church. I say God bless you, and God bless you. 2024 will be of good testimony to all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Tunde. I'm thankful for Jesus dying on the cross for us. Amen. I've got one here. It has been a tough, tough year dealing with my dad's illness and passing, my sister-in-law's illness and daughter's health struggles. Life has been hard. Both, but over and over, we have realized how God has carried us as a family, providing strength when we were tired and blessing us by our church's caring and prayers, so thank you. I know what's happening at the end of this service, and so I will take this opportunity, <clears throat> excuse me, this opportunity to say thank you to God for faithfulness of 11 years of living without my sweetheart. I know he's with Jesus, but God has been faithful to me. And Leroy's legacy sits here with me in this row this morning, and mm. I couldn't be more grateful for God's faithfulness. He gives me a reason every day to, to mm. get up and to serve him, to pray for this precious family, and through them, Leroy and I continue to live on in their lives. And Amen. so God is good. I think we have time for one more. Yeah, my name's Wes. Um, yeah, we've been part of this church for over 20 years, I guess. And so that's uh, or around 20 years. And so uh, we appreciate the uh, encouragement and blessing. Um, but as I was looking, thinking about this past year and so on, uh, I guess I'm thankful that God has uh, just opened my eyes to see how I'm wired. And what I mean by that is, um, I know there's certain patterns in my life, and uh, I've realized that it's, uh, and it's been confirmed by my family, uh, <laughs> that uh, I'm an ADHD type person. And, uh, <laughs> and, that, and coming to that realization has, um, how would I say, answered many questions. Like, why did my friends call me in, in school call me Crazy Wes? Well, my impulsive thing is just uh, over the top sometimes. Um, my multiple careers, I probably have had 
in the neighborhood of 25, 30 jobs in my life. Um, I love starting a job and learning a job, but then I'm bored with it. So let's go do something else. Um, it's also been helpful. I think it helped me uh, enjoy helping start churches. We've been involved in two church plants and uh, um, impulsivity and uh, not uh, looking too far ahead is helpful. If you overthink it, it doesn't happen. Uh, but it also is, uh, yeah, it's helped me sort out what, okay, what am I doing with myself? And, and how do I, I know I've, in the past, I've often said yes to things very quickly when opportunity is there. So how do I still take opportunity but be careful? And, uh, yeah, so I thank God for that, that, that insight because it's uh, answered questions about many other things too. So it's, uh, and it's also helped me uh, maybe become a little more cautious <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> thank you, Wes. Uh, praise band, why don't you come up and uh, lead us in some more singing? <laughs> 